1: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, what did I say? No matter what, no matter what, they can't take it away from us. In year one, just period, year one for what? Just year one. That's all you need to know. It's year one. Year one for Jordan Love. Year one for the Jordan Love era. Year one for half of our offense. Year one for this, this, Experiment that we've been running in year one, the Packers at least got to the playoffs. Winning record made it into the playoffs. Number two, what I said was at some point this season, said a lot of things this year. There is nothing on planet earth that is more important than Jordan Love. If I could snap my fingers and make anyone a good football player, obviously it's Jordan Love. This whole season could go straight to hell. We can get the number one pick, but if somehow we get the number one pick and Jordan Love was proved to be the guy, I would have accepted those, those terms. Jordan Love is freaking unbelievable, and he's still getting better. He got better from year one to year two, from year two to year three, from year three to year four, from week one, year four, to week nine, year four, and from week nine to right now, that was... An unbelievable performance these past two weeks in a row. I don't know what PFF's going to say about him. That was unfreaking believable from Jordan Love. I think there were five incomplete passes. One of them I know was a throwaway. One of them would have been, I mean, when there's five, you can probably count them. One of them was the Dobbs ball getting punched out, which was a dime. One of them was a perfectly thrown pass to uh, Bo Melden which also was ended up being a drop. What are the other two? I don't know. But there's maybe two bad passes in the game. Maybe. I don't remember them. I mean, I I don't need to describe to you what happened, but th- there were, I mean, it was just over and over and over again. He just made every single throw. I mean, the pass to Dobbs was perfect. The pass to Bow was perfect. That pass to Jaden Reed where he ran for like 60 yards, I mean, you want to talk about a perfect pass as he's running to his side. When this guy's running full speed and doesn't have to stop, move, nothing, it just goes right into his arms and he just keeps running. It's one of those things that almost looks fake. That pass to Tucker Kraft on a critical third down when he's breaking the pocket and being tackled and throws across his body, falling down away from him, right into the hands of Tucker Kraft to convert a third down. When he made that play, if you didn't see, by the way, thank you very, very much, to everyone that came and hung out with me for the live stream, that was a lot of fun. We definitely broke the record. Uh, most people I've had on a stream before, hoping we can do a lot more than that when we do our playoff stream. But I was saying on the stream when I saw that, like, I know people don't like the f- love to Rodgers comparisons or whatever, but you cannot tell me that that pass isn't an Aaron Rodgers pass. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Benjamin Solak just tweeted out, This Jordan Love performance feels like the C.J. Stroud performance from yesterday. Just utter nails on every high-impact throw, making plays inside and outside of structure. Team-on-back performance in a playoff environment from a promising young passer. I don't know how to say that any better. There were a lot of mistakes made in this game, and one of them was Jordan Love, right? The the helmet right on the ball. I mean, it, it would have been a great play if they were breaking that down, where he was trying to throw a screen pass. None of the wide receivers knew he breaks. He's about to get a first down, and bang, ball comes out. Right? But there were a lot of mistakes that needed to be made up for, and he just showed up for every single one of those instances. I don't... <sighs> I've don't. i said it before, and I'll say it again. When the team was down, I put it on love. When the team is up, I'm putting it on love. We had a lot of great performances. I think Matt LaFleur did a fantastic job. Aaron Jones was unbelievable. The wide receivers were there. The tight ends, with the exception of Musgrave not going out of bounds, which was a big mistake, I thought had a big contribution. It was exciting to see. They weren't front and center, but they were there. They were making plays. The offensive line at least felt better this week than last week. We'll see how that all pans out, but I don't remember Jordan. I mean, he threw off his back foot a couple times, but it felt like he was just doing that for fun. (laughs) There's nobody even coming. He's just like hopping backwards all the time. A lot of people. The defense. The defense is deserving of credit, especially the guys up front. I mean, no offense to Jair, who I think had a good day and everybody on the back end and and Joe Barry and all that, but man, the the amount of pressures and sacks that that came on Justin Fields and if Fields didn't have the ability that he does to escape the pocket, there would have been double the amount of sacks. So the defense showed up, you know. I mean, it was it was a very prototypical bend don't break. It felt like they were in our side of the field on every single drive, and somehow only came away with a handful of points. So I mean, that was a true bend don't break performance. But I cannot look anywhere else. Other than Jordan Love. Sorry if I've been saying Justin Fields. You know how it is. I cannot wait for them to trade him, so I stopped saying that. It's all I can think about. It's all I want to talk about. This guy looks unfreaking believable. The things that he is doing with a football in his hands. And as much as I love the guys that we have, and we got some guys, no doubt about it, we don't have a Devontae. What would Jordan do with a Devontae? A guy that in double coverage, you can just sling it up to him, and he's going to go up and get it. I'm not saying we have to go get that guy. I'm just explaining we don't have that, not yet anyways. We don't have that true elite piece. And yet, look what's happening. So again, I, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to Dallas. It's going to be a tough game. Dallas is playing some good football right now. But at the end of the day, the Packers finished this year with a winning record, and they finished the year having gone to the playoffs. And again, with everybody having short memories, the fact of the matter is that made us a much made for a much better off season for us cuz everyone's going to remember that performance. They're going to remember how the season ended with Minnesota and Chicago. They're going to remember hearing about how this really young team went to the playoffs, youngest since I think 1978 to go to the playoffs. And that's that's all assuming we lose. I mean look, this was the, that 6 seed was a big deal because I think that the toughest two teams are Dallas and San Francisco. By winning we would have played two teams that are not that by lo or by you know the the um the 49ers losing by one freaking point we end up fa- facing dallas and then after that we'll be going to san francisco if we win and if we somehow win that we we still wouldn't get the home field which is another benefit having been the sixth seed is there's a chance not a very good one but there's a chance if the rams handled business they'd become to Lambeau. But what an absolutely incredible season it has been. And it's just amazing because, you know, I mean, we we went through this before with Farvin and Rogers, but there's just an assumption that it's that it's kind of over, you know, and you think in the back of your mind, like, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you never know, Jordan could be good. Or you I mean, it's possible. It's not impossible. But, you know, to think that if Jordan continues playing like this. We have another guy for 10 to 15 years, depending on how long he wants to play. But pending some kind of an injury or something, we've got a solid 10 more years of really good Green Bay Packers football. I don't know what that means in terms of, of uh, Super Bowls. And I, I don't want to say I don't care. But I just love, I like this is the thing, I football for me isn't one day a year. It's 365 days a year. The Super Bowl is just a day. And it would be the greatest day of our lives if the Packers win. You know, I mean, it's just, at least in a small span of time, marriages and children are great too, and there's been other Super Bowls. But it would be the best day of the year, let's say. But I, I, I listen, I'm going to enjoy, I, I enjoyed that game, that regular season game that doesn't mean anything in terms of championships. I'm going to enjoy this whole week where there's no football going on. I'm not going to enjoy the day that we lose which eventually we're going to end up losing a playoff game, whether that's this year or next year or whenever. Those aren't going to be the most fun days, but you know what? You move on, and that's when the offseason starts, and you kick into offseason mode. And I know a lot of people, they check out, and they're like, all right, I'll, I'll catch you in August, which is sad. I don't, you know, I don't like that so much. I hate hearing that from people. Some people, whether they're just not big offseason people or are just really distraught by it, which I don't think there's going to be quite as much of that because part of what was so distressing about it is that we're running out of time. And we feel like it should be our year. And if we lose to Dallas this week, I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of, like, I can't emotionally handle this. It's not going to be fun. But this is year one. We're just starting to figure this thing out. We're finding our footing. And we still can't find our footing. Jordan Love's trying to throw a screen and the receivers are all running routes. We're out there just kind of playing backyard football. We don't know what the heck we're doing. This is me pleading with you to please stay with me this offseason. But, no, you just, you know, you're just moving into the next phase. You start looking at free agency. You start looking at, you know, the the Senior Bowl and the the East-West Shrine game and start maybe talking about traveling down there one of these days to see some of these things and who knows, maybe bump some shoulders and meet some people and one of these days I'm going to do that. But obviously you got the draft coming up. I mean there's really not that much dead time because then you got the rookie orientation, you got the uh, voluntary things, the mandatory things, all these different things going on, on top of all the different rumors and trades that take place around the NFL that have big implications. The Bears and the Vikings, and the Lions are trading, and there's going to be more Rodgers news and Rodgers drama, and I'm sure there might even be a little bit of Packers news and drama, maybe not. We're going to be seeing videos about Jordan out with Christian and Jaden and Wicks and all the boys out in Cali or something, working out. We're going to once the draft happens we're going to be able to go through our draft class we're going to be able to break these things down like I'm I'm just I'm excited for all of it I really am and it's just it's just the beginning we're just building now Jordan is the guy and and I don't just and that's the other thing it's like for a while it felt like Jordan was probably the guy but I didn't know what that meant I didn't know if he, that meant he was like a top 15 guy maybe like a borderline top 10 guy the way Jordan has played the last couple of days he is up there in the top five realm. He just is. I mean, it's, it's hard to say number one because, obviously, it's, not, nobody ever stays number one anyways. You know, you, Pat Mahomes has his time, then Josh Allen's up there, Joe Burrow's up there. Like, guys kind of fluctuate, but th- there is an elite class, and Jordan is in that class. Jordan might be in that class this year, by the end of the year, having basically just sleptwalked through the first half of the season. I don't know that Jordan Love isn't one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks coming into these playoffs. When you look at the last couple of games, and compared to who, I I mean, Dak has been solid, but I think he's been kind of phased out a little bit. I mean, Lamar Jackson, actually, now that I look at it, if you just look at the passing grade over the last two weeks, not including this game, which I'm guessing is going to be really high, it's Lamar Jackson, then Jordan Love, number two. You go back one more week, obviously, he's going to drop a little bit. He's still seven. Add in this week and we'll see where he's at. But he has been absolutely lights out, out of control. Again, since, as you know, week nine, it's it's freaking ridiculous what he's been able to do. I mean, if you look at week nine, he's the fourth highest graded, uh, the fourth highest passing grade. He has the fourth highest uh, PFF grade among quarterbacks since week nine. The only three above him are Prescott, Herbert, and Purdy. And Herbert's not going to be in the playoffs. Of course, the two that are are there are the two that we're going to have to face. But, you know, as much as you look at it it's like, well, the Packers aren't really up there with a lot of these teams. Up there with who? The Eagles? Did you watch them? I know they benched some guys. That team has fallen apart. The Lions? You're saying we can't compete with the Lions who we already beat, who barely beat the Minnesota Vikings? Look, I mean, Dallas might be on a slightly higher tier. San Francisco, Baltimore, sure. Maybe. We would have probably said the, the Chiefs, too, if we hadn't beat the crap out of them. In year one, and, and things fluctuate a lot. I mean, teams that are good now are not necessarily going to be good next year, and, and teams that are not good are going to be dominant. But in year one, I mean, this, this, is, this is a top five unit, and we're talking about a team that hopefully is going to be improving their defense moving forward, is going to be improving the offensive line moving forward, is going to be getting you know a, a longer, more prolonged uh, period of Jordan Love playing at this level. Hopefully healthier football team, because this was an unusual year with the amount of um, injuries. I mean, what happens if this goes from the 30th ranked defense to the 10th ranked defense? You think that makes a big difference? And it really all just reiterates the whole tanking thing. Would you rather be in the situation we are now, with the implications of the, the quarterback and everything else, or have like the number five pick or four pick or something? But Jordan Love's not very good. Or at least still questionable. Receivers are still making mistakes, dropping passes. Defense sucks. We don't have any tight ends. Nah, I'll take this. I'll take the dancing and smoking cigars in the locker room. Year one, dunking on the freaking Bears and the Vikings. So there's so much going on, it's hard to process everything. I, I want to like launch into a laughing at. I, I mean, there's, there's press conferences. There's random stats up the wazoo right now. But i tell you what. We'll take it slow. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. We'll actually go through the statistics so we can kind of get a good base of what's going on. We'll read what the PFF recap is. I'm assuming that'll be done by now. Usually gives us an indication of what's uh, what the grades are going to look like, which I cannot wait. And actually, that's probably something else I'll do is is what I like to do after the games. Just kind of pull up the roster and kind of go through and, uh, and comment on some of these guys, because sometimes you forget, and then you go back and look, and like, oh, actually, that dude had a game. And usually PFF disagrees. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I like highlighting guys that i thought had a good game so we'll take a break patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy let's start 2024 off right and one way to do that is support your favorite podcast or you can do so for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy or just hit me up on venmo Packernet podcast we'll take a break we'll be right back passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for 5 about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy wow that's crazy offer ten percent off a four hundred dollars slab pack that's forty bucks right there anyways that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase all right boys and girls here we go jordan love twenty seven of thirty two justin fields um was 11 of 16, which if you think about it from a pure passer uh, completion percentage standpoint, like it's fine, but he completed 11 passes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I tell you what, that freaking football team, man. Uh, Jordan Love, 27 to 32, 316 yards, 9.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 59 yards was his longest pass. Took one sack and had a one twenty eight point seven passer rating. Oh, that was another incompletion. Was that near pick? That was the one. I was just trying, when I when I saw the zero interceptions, I was like did he have any turnover worthy plays? He did have one for sure. I think that was one the one Jordan Love brain fart of the day. He just really wanted that that touchdown. Yeah, and I think there was just one too many defenders over there for that to have been a, a great decision. Um, again, Fields one, uh, eleven of 16, 148 yards zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and took five sacks in the game. Uh, Rushers, Jordan Love had three carries for negative one yards. That would be a lot of kneeling. Aaron Jones, 22 carries, 111 yards, five yards per carry. 17 yards was his long. Bo Melton had two carries. He had two? I only remember one. My brain is useless. Two carries for 14 yards. You can kind of tell that when Christian's out, Bo's going to be that guy, and I think that's fantastic. I, I I don't know for sure. It'd be interesting to go back and look and see if they're using him in that capacity to kind of stretch out the defense, but you do kind of get that feeling a little bit. Then we get to the receiving. Dontavian Wicks, seven targets, six receptions, 61 yards, two touchdowns. I want to get to this real quick um, before I forget. It's in my bookmarks here. I did not know this, obviously, but Wes Hodkowitz posted this. He said, very emotional night for Dontavian Wicks. Today was the birthday of Wicks' late Virginia teammate, Lavelle Davis Jr. Wicks said he cried after going to the sideline on his second touchdown. Quote, I had a very heavy heart coming into today, but I knew he'd be playing through uh, playing through me when I'm out there. So um, just adds to the sort of magic of the night. Uh, it's great that Wicks was able to do that. He was the most targeted, had the most receptions, had the third most yards, and had our two touchdowns of the night. Wicks is a heck of a player, man. I, I don't even know what to say about Dentavian Wicks. I've, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. I got chills talking about it. Um, I, I did not have super high hopes for him. I mean, I, I thought about it as maybe in the long term, he can develop into something that is serviceable. And I've mentioned to you his. If you look at his PFF grades, he's been like the most consistent. You know, high sixties to to high seventies grades throughout the entire year. Just been a consistently good receiver all year, and then he comes through with this performance, which I have to assume is going to grade out very, very well. I mean, he in his rookie year, he's very good. I'm. And again, I'm not saying elite for really any of these guys. I'm not talking about Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs level, but I am I am talking about sort of like second, third tier. I'm not even talking about number two, number three. I'm talking second, third, third, third tier, third tier, ha ha, fourth grade humor. Like guys that are maybe top 20-ish, top 30-ish, certainly top 50. I mean, how many top 50 receivers do we have? I mean, at least potential-wise how many top 50 guys do we have? I think Dobbs could be in that category. I know he kind of fell off. Um, I shouldn't even say fell off. He got kind of surpassed these last several weeks. Another thing that I had heard that I haven't been able to verify, but I saw several people saying, apparently after Romeo Dobbs dropped that touchdown pass, which I don't fault him for, again, you get a fist punching through your hands. I said the same thing about the Watson play earlier in the year. I mean, that's tough to hold on to. I'm not going to say impossible, but that's rough apparently somebody had said he was going to the sideline spitting up blood after that so i do hope romeo dobbs is doing okay um but i think he has that potential um heath is maybe a stretch but you know certainly could be a a, a tier behind that bo melton i i struggle to imagine he could be in that but again you look at Every game he's played has been solid. I guarantee this is going to be another good game. We'll get to his stats in a minute. Jaden Reed, a thousand percent, is in the top, you know, certainly could be in the top 20, but you know, potential easily. DonTavian Wicks, easily. Christian Watson, easily. I don't know. I'm just I'm blown away by Dontavian Wicks. And and that uh second touchdown pass to Wicks was so incredible. You saw. I really loved having Romo on there. He was breaking down some stuff, and he was just so impressed with a lot of things. But the one play by Wicks, he was blown away by, you know, the the pacing, and then his ability to come out of that break, which really just shows like sort of a next level ability from him. But the thing that really impressed me on top of all that is the second he came out of his break, the ball was right there. I mean, you can tell these guys have been working. You know, Jordan Love has been hosting these guys, and they've been doing film studies and all this different stuff. You can tell that's paying off. These guys were not on the same page all year. And suddenly they are perfectly in sync. Everybody knows where everybody is. I mean, with some exceptions mixed in, obviously, some mistakes have been made. I think the on the screen pass, for example, Jordan changed the play. and and I, I'm guessing somebody just didn't get it. But, The, you look at that play, man, it, it is, it looks like a team that's been around for a while. You know, that's like a Randall Cobb, Aaron Rodgers thing where, you know, it's because it's not just a quick route. I mean, he's kind of just going up almost like he's blocking. He waits one, two, three, and then he boom, comes out of his break and the ball's already out. So I'm, I'm assuming if, if you go back and watch it, that ball is the, the throwing motion at the very least is started before he even comes out of his break. So if that thing isn't timed out perfectly, if Wicks doesn't come out exactly when he comes out at the angle that he comes out, at, at the the speed and pacing and timing, and everything isn't right on task, it's not going to be there. And we saw a couple of those balls earlier in the year, right? You see somebody throw the ball, or even when uh, when Rodgers was playing last year with some of these rookies, he'd throw the ball, and they don't have their head around yet. You know, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, there were a couple of those. Their head just isn't turned around yet. It's just a timing thing. And you can tell that it's just it's just there right now. So anyways... Aaron Jones, five targets, five receptions, 30 yards. Jaden Reed, only four targets, but all four were caught for 112 yards, 28 yards per target, 28 yards per reception, obviously, 59 yards was his longest. Bo Melton, seven targets, five receptions, 62 yards. Bo Melton is even, at this point, more shocking than way. I mean, maybe not more shocking because I still don't know if I believe it, (laughs) but... You know, Wicks has done it all year, so that, that to me is shocking because I don't know how I could even necessarily deny it at this point. He's a very good receiver, and I can't imagine he peaked. Bo Melton is shocking because of, you know, being a seventh-round pick, first of all, but beyond that, I mean, he's just—you he. You know, Wicks has been good. Bo Melton has been elite, and he continues to be very, very good, so I— I don't know, man. I'm I'm just beyond impressed with what this team has put together. Matt LaFleur deserves a massive amount of credit. Jordan Love deserves a lot of credit. These these receivers and the work that they've put in to become what they've become is beyond impressive. Because the growth is so evident. Tucker Kraft, three targets, three receptions, thirty one yards. I like I like that tough Tucker is such a good relief valve. He just always seems you know, he doesn't have gaudy numbers. But Tucker Craft is just that guy you dump it off to, and he powers ahead for that first down. Or, as we say on this show, Trucker Craft. Um, Malik Heath, four targets, three receptions, nine yards. Luke Musgrave, one target, one reception, 11 yards. Um, Romeo Dobbs, one target, zero receptions. We know about that play. And then getting down to the defense. Leading tackler was Quay Walker with nine, followed by Campbell with eight. So the linebackers leading the charge. Sacks were credited to Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, Lucas Van Ness, and Carl Brooks. One apiece, five total sacks. Tackles for a loss, one for Kenny, one for Rashawn, one for Wyatt, two for Kingsley, one for Quay, one for Lucas Van Ness, and two for Carl Brooks. And then um, no interceptions. Valentine should have had that one, man. That was right in his hands. But other than that, Jair and Rashawn... Uh, and Valentine, I'm guessing that dropped pick was considered a pass deflection, but those three had uh, pass deflections on the day. Special teams, Honors Carlson, obviously missing the field goal, not spectacular, but did hit both extra points and the other field goal. Um, we got nothing on punting or punt returns, which, you know, if my math is correct, means the Packers didn't punt all day. Keyshawn Nixon, one return for 21 yards. The The special teams, as far as the coverage, was not great. We had um, four kick returns for 113 yards. He averaged 28.2 yards, with 34 yards being his longest. It wasn't super ideal. Team stats uh, Packers, one time of possession, 31 and a half minutes to 28.5, ran 60 plays compared to their 46. 432 offensive yards compared to their 192. Uh, um, 7.2 yards per play compared to their 4.2 yards per play. Only one penalty each, which as much as you look at it, it's like, oh, that's crazy. You know, it's an interesting stat. And, you know, the refs just weren't throwing flags or whatever kind of take you want to put on that. Regardless of what the Bears did, the Packers committed one penalty, at least one that got called. <laughs> that's, I mean, again, we're talking about, Playoff football, growth, you know, a young team maturing. Playoff football is mitigating mistakes, and there were mistakes in this game, no doubt about it, but one penalty, that's a big deal. Uh, Completion percentage, Jordan Love, 84.4%. His adjusted completion percentage is going to be much higher than that. Justin Fields, 68.8%. Passing yards, 308 compared to 117. Sack percentage, uh, Jordan Love was sacked on 3% of his dropbacks. Justin Fields was sacked on 24% percent of his dropbacks one in four one in four dude and even that's not I mean it's not even it must have been his dropbacks because he had 16 attempts that's closer to one in three which I guess makes sense because it's not a passing attempt if you don't pass it so it would have been out of 21 right 21 attempts sacked on five which is 16 attempts I mean honestly that that is the story of the game I mean we, we saw them move again no offense to Jair and the crew but They moved seemingly at will when there was time to throw. And it was just a matter of when is the sack coming. And apparently it came on 25% of his dropbacks. (sighs) That's wild, man. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Sacks, sack yards lost 31. 31 yards lost from sacks. Jeez. 124 rushing yards compared to 75. We had 4.6 yards per rush. They had 3 yards per rush. First downs, we had 24. They had 13. Um, Third downs, we were 70%. They were 27%. Fourth downs, they were 100%. We didn't try one. Red zone, they were 0 for 2. We were 2 for 4. Passes defended, 3 and 3. That's about it. They don't have the game recap up yet? That's shocking. (laughs) Preston Smith says, We just don't lose to the Bears. I'm 12 and 0. Man, that's crazy. Then you got Jaquan Brisker on the other side. This guy is such a freaking tool. He always runs his mouth before the games, like, oh, we're going to do all this stuff, and then they get smoked. And here here is what he had to say. This is via Mark Grote of the Chicago Bears, uh, covering the Chicago Bears for WSCR Radio. Um, Bears safety Jaquan Brisker. I felt like we could have tightened up on the receivers a lot more than we did today. We gave them too much room and I really have no respect for them at all, just to be honest. So that's his excuse for why he played so soft and like garbage just because I didn't respect them. Okay, that makes you lazy and an idiot. Then there was a follow-up question. Why? He says, no one's over there. No respect. They have no stars over there. They try to play a little fake tough. I said, what's fake tough? Just doing extra stuff after the play, grabbing people's face masks after the play and things like that. Just doing a lot of dirty stuff to get us flagged and stuff like that. Bro, first of all, you can't call them trash and say they have no stars when they stomp on your throat. We punted exactly zero times, you freaking loser. Zero punts. Then you talk about fake tough. Oh, so they're soft and they suck and they have no stars. Explain what happened in this game. What does that say about you, moron? Man, I I just cannot stand Jaquan. He's such a whiny baby. He really is. He's such a freaking baby. Anyways, the uh, the playoffs have been kind of, um, well, the schedule is laid out. So Saturday, Ju- January 13th is Saturday, 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, the Cleveland Browns take on the Houston Texans. Then at 7 o'clock Lambeau time, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on either The Steelers, Miami, or Buffalo, you will know the answer to that. I do not at this time. Maybe I do. I don't know. I'm not looking at the games. Sunday on the uh, noon slot, it's going to be, you know, Steelers, Buffalo, or Buffalo, Miami, or however that shakes out. Then the 3.30 slot, Green Bay Packers, Dallas freaking Cowboys. It's crazy. One week. One week. Six days for you folks listening to this fine podcast. Six days, the Packers go to Dallas to play a playoff game. Oh, my goodness. Then the late game, you got the LA Rams and the Detroit Lions, followed by Monday, Eagles, Buccaneers. Of course, none of these other games really, I mean, they do matter, you know, in the bigger picture, assuming we continue on for a really long time. But our fate is pretty well sealed. If we win, we move on to uh, San Francisco. But man, oh, man, oh, man, it's crazy. It's so weird that I'm so like enamored by this. As a Packer fan, you think, yeah, we do this every year. Took a year off, no big deal. It's, it's what we do once in a while. You take a year off and then you go back to the playoffs. But with all that we've been through, you know, week eight or whatever week it was, we were at rock bottom, thinking, man, where there's a chance we can get that number one pick, and here we are now. Here I am staring at a graphic posted by Ari Mirov. Of the final teams that are still standing with the Green Bay Packers sitting right there. Whew. Well, let's take a break. I got to speed this up because I got to do Packer Night after dark and try to get that up as soon as possible. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
0: Yeah, just a lot of appreciation for him. What a soundbite. Players like that don't come around very often. You think, Brian Budakist? You did this, Goody. You did it. You ruined the relationship with Aaron Rodgers and traded away the greatest Packer of all time. And shame on you. I want you to stare at this board. And I don't want to hear from a Packer fan, oh, Aaron, the drama, the will he, won't he. Aaron Rodgers, 18 seasons of gold with Green Bay. Four-time MVP, won a Super Bowl, and anyone says, well, he only won one. Well, I mean, go back to Mike McCarthy, Brandon Bostick in Seattle. Remember that Brian Gunakis didn't give him the weapons that he needed. And listen, the guy is just majestic. And you want to talk about Brian Gunakis, he started this. I mean, Aaron Rodgers never talked about his future before. The only thing he ever said, he said it to me on numerous occasions on my SiriusXM radio show, he wanted to retire a Packer, wanted to be there forever. Until, you know, Brian Gooney in, in 2020 decided, well, we're going to take the replacement for Aaron Rodgers. Instead of giving him help at the wide receiver position, we begged for T. Higgins for Aaron Rodgers. We begged for Michael Pittman. Instead, Jordan Love. So it's like in kindergarten, you started it. And then Aaron Rodgers responded by back-to-back MVPs. The Green Bay Packers never going to be the same. I mean, the New York Jets, to me, are a top-four team in the AFC, as we mentioned. The Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love are going to be lucky to win four games. I mean, look at the numbers. Jordan Love should have never been a first-round pick. This was a project player. He was available last year via trade. Yet teams that need quarterbacks. Nobody, you no know, weak quarterback draft one year ago, no one wanted to trade for Jordan Love when Rodgers was coming off of back-to-back MVPs because Jordan Love has no value. So listen, you saw the Chicago Bears tweeted out today a picture of a bear waving goodbye. Rodgers owns Chicago. There's a party right now going on in fan bases all across the NFC North, all across the NFC. The Green Bay Packers every single year with Aaron Rodgers, the upside was to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Brian Gunakis decided to trade and torpedo the relationship starting with that draft pick in 2020 with the best, most accomplished player in the history of the organization. Mark Murphy has been talking about Aaron Rodgers in the past tense for quite some time. Well, you wanted Jordan Love. There's a contingent of Packers fans who said, oh, we're going to be great with Jordan Love. Yeah, spoiler alert. Love stinks. The Green Bay Packers are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, just it.
1: So I figured I'd replay that one for you real quick. Um, I just want to make sure we're all very clear on what the arguments were because people like to shift their arguments a little bit. To be very clear, the battle that many of us have been fighting for years and years and years is exactly on that ground. There was never any question. It it, it was never sort of in the gray area, right? It wasn't like, well, you know, maybe you can win like nine games and get to the playoffs with Jordan Love, but that's about it. Nobody said that. You'd be lucky to win four games. And let me remind you exactly exactly why that was the case because the narrative which was always wrong which i've been telling you freaking people i know most of you are agreeing with me but for the two of you that aren't and for everybody else what i've been saying and trying to get through to people for years is the very simple fact that it was always a lie that this was a bad football team being dragged around by aaron Rodgers. that is Complete and utter stupidity that every Packer fan should have hated hearing. That every Packer fan should have fought tooth and nail because it's nonsense and is wildly disrespectful to everybody else on the team. And and apparently Aaron Rodgers couldn't do anything with the guys that he had. That included Devontae Adams. That included a healthy David Bakhtiari and a healthy, like, Brian Balaga and Corey Lindsley, right? I mean, a a healthy and way better offensive line, the number one wide receiver in football and better defenses than we had this year. And I got, and these freaking people are out there still defending or, or uh, I I defending Rogers slash attacking Jordan Love. It's the exact same thing. But they're all talk they're out there talking about, well, look how good Jordan Love's receivers are. Are you freaking kidding me? So the Packers didn't do Rodgers any favors because he only had Devontae. But we've got Christian Watson basically on freaking IR all year. Romeo Dobbs is not done very much. You have a rookie Jaden Reed, who, I mean, has been kind of coming on strong, but Maybe part of that has to do with the coach that you hate and the quarterback playing really well that's kind of making him shy. I mean, listen, it's entirely possible that all these wide receivers are kind of popping off because the quarterback is doing really, really well. That's not impossible. I don't know if you've considered that. You know, this whole thing where it's like, man, it's so shocking that all these undrafted free agents and rookies and everything else are playing so well. Well, maybe if you have a play caller that can get them open and a quarterback that can throw pinpoint passes to them, just about anybody can look good. Just a thought. But but I'm just curious what happened to that argument because this is a terrible football team with a loser coach that sucks at play calling and, and everything else, right? That was the reality. This is a four-win team, maybe, that's being dragged to the playoffs every year by Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Maybe. You were full of crap this whole time. Maybe Rodgers actually had it pretty good. I'm not saying Rodgers wasn't a good quarterback. He was a very good quarterback. But maybe in order to be as good of a team as the Packers were, you need more than just a quarterback. Maybe he wasn't a victim. Maybe he had a good GM and a good coach with a good scheme. And he had some good players and like one of the a top five offensive line every single year and the number one wide receiver in football. Maybe he had all of those things. Was it perfect? No, just like it's not perfect for any. Who has a perfect situation? Who has it perfect? Nobody has it perfect. Lamar's kind of close, but his wide receivers aren't that good. He's got like a tight end. He doesn't have elite wide receivers. Who's got it perfect? Pat Mahomes doesn't have jack squat. Who has it perfect? Brock Purdy, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what you want. This is just how the NFL goes. It's not perfect. But the fact of the matter is, that narrative was so fake and so freaking exhausting and so stupid, and it has been proven 100,000% false. And all the freaking death rattles and all the nonsense trying to bend things a little bit to make it seem like, well, maybe we can stay alive. Maybe we can kind of Find a way to make our arguments still work that everybody else sucks. It was everybody else's fault. It was all Brian Gutekunst and it was Matt LaFleur and it was this awful, terrible, no good football team and no talent around them. And in year one with scraps and one of the most injured Packer teams in a decade, they get into the playoffs. And, and by the way, with a top 10 offense, last I checked, number six overall. Explain that to me, because so far, the best excuse that I've heard, which is freaking pathetic, is that the offense is playing this way, is playing this well, because of all the undrafted free agent and rookie players that are just so elite. So Jordan Love still sucks, and Matt LaFleur still sucks, but all the new guys, man, oh man, just terrible timing, isn't it? Man, all those years. Of Of you know drafting people and swinging a miss on these wide receivers and everything else, I mean we did get Christian Watson and Dobbs last year for for Aaron rodgers and they actually panned out quite well despite the fact that he didn't feel like trying to figure that out until halfway through the season. But it was the very next year that all of a sudden we start drafting all these studs right after he leaves suddenly everyone becomes a stud that's just that's just bad luck, man that's such bad luck, jeez. We would have won a Super Bowl if Rogers was here with these guys. They're so good. Can you imagine how much you'd be tearing things up with Bo Melton? Whoo wee! I mean, this is silly. It's freaking silly. The only people in my entire life that I have met, they're, they're, as far as like a category of people in the in the sports realm that are completely incapable of changing their mind, have been sort of the anti-Gutikons crowd completely incapable. I'm not necessarily talking about the people that didn't like the Jordan Love pick, because I didn't like the Jordan Love pick. But man, there is just like a group of people, I'm guessing it's the exact same people that didn't like the, or, or are, are mad about not picking TJ Watt, um, are, were mad at the Rashawn Gary pick, still to this day, crap on Rashawn Gary. They're the people now that suddenly... are are on a crusade to say that uh, pressures don't matter I know that these are the anti-good people because the only people that are on that crusade are people trying to prove that Rashawn Gary is trash and the only people that are on a crusade to prove Rashawn Gary are trash are people that just hate Brian Gutekunst and all the picks he makes like this is how psychotic it is that there's like side crusades that all lead back to the same spot it's just it's it's I thought it would be more satisfying, but the fact that they just don't accept it. No matter, it doesn't matter how much evidence you throw in their face. Gutekunst is an idiot. And uh, Jordan Love shouldn't have been picked. And Rashawn Gary shouldn't have been picked. It was a bad pick. Just... <sighs> and and we're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. And it's like, hey, should we have picked Jordan Love? nope nope we shouldn't have okay okay anyways a couple other random things i had bookmarked then we'll get out of here lucas van ness's rookie season four sacks 10 quarterback hits rashawn gary's rookie season two sacks three quarterback hits packers offense isn't the only side with promising rookies says ryan wood and then there's this which i had to save this is from uh our green bay packers which is a reddit thing he says they're having some el- epic meltdowns over at our shy bears. Here is a bears person on Reddit. I cannot wait for laughing at the enemy. It's going to be something absolutely magical. I could save it for laughing at the enemy, but we'll just we'll just do all video content for that. Here is the post, and I'm gonna have to edit myself a lot. Threw all my bears stuff in the trash. F this team. I'm done supporting anything to do with it. It's genuinely become a detriment. <laughs> to my mental health for 18 weeks out of the season. Since, my, since it's my last time on this sub, F. Eberflus and Getsy. They're actual brain-dead morons. I've seen smarter cantaloupes. And F. this sub, I don't care if you are on the side of Fields or Williams. You guys have been so insufferable to one another. You deserve this perpetual mediocrity. Goodbye. Aaron Nagler posted Jordan Love is the first quarterback to help lead the Packers to the postseason in his first full year as a starter since at least 1950, when the league began recording stats for every player. So I want to kind of go back for a second to what we were talking about. Oh my goodness, I just broke this thing and it just splurted everywhere. That looked inappropriate all over my computer screen. I've got this little stress ball thing. And uh, the goo just splashed all over my monitor. Okey dokie. I needed my stress bowl. Anyways, I want to go back to that thing where, remember, Rodgers was carrying the team and the team was not very good. And now suddenly, like, this team is mega elite. You know, 30th-ranked defense, the all-rookie offense. Like, th- this, is, this is now an elite football team that is, what, carrying Jordan Love? to be the best first-year quarterback we've ever had. Is this really what we're going with? (sighs) Boy, oh boy. Anyways, uh, let me just check one more time if the Packers have gotten their thing up here. Oh, it looks like they finally did. We got the recap. I don't know. The Packers were the slowest ones getting this up. We'll read this, and we're getting out of here. All right. It says... The Chicago Bears rode into Green Bay looking to play spoiler against their NFC North rivals, just like the Detroit Lions did last year in Week 18, but were completely flat and got dominated on both sides of the ball. The 17-9 score doesn't reflect just how lopsided this game truly was from start to finish, and I would made that point on the live stream. They just had a ton of lucky bounces, and I, I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but from a statistical standpoint, we're talking about a lot of luck variables going in their favor. The, the Packers' offense had no issues moving against this defense whatsoever. And the defense, although it sucked on one side of the field, dominated on the other side. Goes on to say, the Packers' offense averaged 7.2 yards per play to Chicago's 4.2, with the overall yardage disparity finishing 432-192. Finishing to 192. Offensive spotlight, it starts off talking about D.J. Moore with his 64 yards. But then moves on to Packers quarterback Jordan Love was sensational, finishing 27-32 for 316 yards and two touchdowns with several highlight reel throws, including a laser to Jaden Reed on the game-ceiling drive as Green Bay ran out the clock. Love wasn't pressured a ton, but made several throws off-platform or with different arm angles to manufacture throwing windows. Outside of a fumble on a scramble, he was almost perfect throughout. Then... <laughs> It says, Defensive Spotlight, Chicago's ascending defense, which had been playing great football in recent weeks, got pushed around all game long, barely pressuring Jordan Love, and the secondary sat soft zone while Jordan Love picked them apart. Linebackers Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards each had four defensive stops and eight solo tackles leading all players. The Packers' interior defensive linemen dominated up front, with Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and Carl Brooks all recording multiple pressures in a sack. And then for the rookie spotlight, it highlights their rookie, Tyreek Stevenson, and then Packers rookie wide receiver, Dentavian Wicks, had six receptions for 61 yards and two touchdowns. And Jaden Reed led all players in the game with 112 receiving yards on four grabs. All right, you guys, I'm going to get out of here. You have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.